This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Anchored in Christ, the podcast of sermons from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Um, We're in the middle of a sermon series called Soul Searching, based on the book by uh, John Ortberg called Soul Keeping. I'm Deborah Owen, here with Pastor Sarah Singleton. And the title of this sermon is interesting, Sarah. I'm not sure I would have thought of disciplined as the opposite of neglected. Hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sure. Well, discipline is um, when we are making a decision and living into it, not having to make the same decision every day. I'm disciplined mm-hmm. whether or not to uh, brush or floss teeth, disciplined with exercise, disciplined with um, responding with a thank you to mm-hmm. those who uh, extend an offer or favor. Disciplined soul is mm-hmm. the conversation versus a neglected soul. And so a disciplined soul is one in which there is the practice of making oneself available to the living God versus, thank you so much. I believe in Jesus. I've got a ticket to heaven. I'm going to just check on you when I need you. Mm -hmm. In doing life alone, that's a neglected soul. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. Um, and, and as a message of hope, the sermon ends with a prescription for how to experience the nearness of God. And what would you like to share with listeners about how this is part of having a disciplined soul? Well, disciplines of prayer, mm-hmm. disciplines of reading scripture, disciplines of fellowship with other Christians in worship, and of service. Mm-hmm. These are ways in which God allows us to be full participants in the um, reality that we ourselves are called into a fellowship here and now and not just in our future or following our death. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a here and now life. And so the disciplines that we'll be talking about are allowing us to have the fruit of the spirit expressed which we find in galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and beyond Mm, okay that's great and i'll just uh point out that this is another sermon in this series where which sarah wrote and her husband jim reverend dr jim singleton is reading because um, she did not have a voice at the time (laughs) so uh, let's dive into the sermon This day, and I am not Sarah Singleton. I'm married to Sarah Singleton, and I am her voice today. This is now the fourth in our series of sermons on soul searching. Uh, when we are looking at our souls in light of the gospel, you know, in the great Methodist tradition, one of the great questions to ask one another throughout their history is how is your soul. So why don't you just turn to your neighbor and ask them that now for the fun of it. How is your soul? Well, the soul is sometimes differing ways, isn't it? Last week we talked about the 
confidence of the soul versus the anxious soul. A confident soul is very different than an anxious soul. Today I'm going to give you two more hand motions. One is going to be the disciplined soul. So we're going to make a fist and we're going to hold on to something and it's going to be disciplined. The other and we're going to hold on to something and it's going to be disciplined. The other is the neglected soul and we're going to look like a bunch of weeds in a garden. So would you be a disciplined soul and a neglected soul like dandelions growing up? Now soul searching is a tricky business. It may feel like we're looking for something imaginary like a search for Bigfoot or something. The location of your body, you know where that is. We can do a CAT scan of it, we can do an x-ray of it, but we can't do a CAT scan and discover your soul. So we're going to have to look for it in differing ways. We're going to look today at the consequences of neglecting the soul, and we're going to look at the consequences of having a discipline for the nurture of the soul. And as we do so, we're going to read a passage from Deuteronomy. So if you've got Bibles near you, you may want to go to Deuteronomy 44. That is the fifth book in the Old Testament. One, two, three, four, five. And we'll go to the fourth chapter and listen to the first verse and then verses five through ten. It goes like this. <clears throat> so now Israel... Give heed to the statutes and ordinances that I am teaching you to observe so that you may live to enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of our ancestors, is giving you. See, just as the Lord has charged me, I now teach you statutes and ordinances for you to observe in the land you're about to enter and occupy. You must Observe them diligently, for this will show your wisdom and discernment to the peoples who, when they hear all the statutes, will say, Surely, and discerning people. For what other nation has a God so near to it as the Lord God is whenever we call on him? And what other nation has statutes and ordinances? as just as this entire law that I'm setting before you today. But take care and watch yourselves. The actual word is watch your soul closely so as neither to forget the things that your eyes have seen nor let them slip from your mind all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How you once stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people for me and I will let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me as long as they live on the earth and may teach their, they live on the earth and may teach their children. Let's pray. Lord, allow your word to settle into our souls in a place that allows it to grow in discipline and not neglect, for we are your people, Lord, and we want to grow. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, have you ever left your house in the care of someone else for a season and hoped that they would 
take good care of things. Singletons, as now old as we are, we've had several experiences with this. Some good, some not so good. It was about 15 years ago. We left our house in the care of things down as their note, enjoy yourselves, our house is yours, please place the mail in a basket on the counter. Water the inside plants as well as the outdoor hanging plants. Please place chlorine in the hot tub after each use, which we hope you'll enjoy. Walk the dog twice daily and let him out whenever he goes to the back door. That's all. See you in two weeks. That was our written out note. Upon our return, here's what the singletons found. The mail was in the basket on the counter. That was good. Very good. All of the plants inside and out were dry, most dead, the rest dying. Hmm. The water in the hot tub was a frothy pea-green foam. Things were beginning to crawl out of it. The dog had left many remains, always right behind a particular couch. Ooh. And there were stains from urine and about ten different places on a white rug. What were they thinking? This was a mess. They neglected the primary reason for them to be there. They had a responsibility to take care of responsibility to take care of a home that was not their own. This responsibility was not that burdensome, not that unfair, we thought. But it required a little personal investment and follow through. It's not what happened. They lived like they wanted, but not with the purpose of the homeowners. Today we're going to look at two words. I gave them to you a moment ago. Disciplined, neglected. Say them with me. Disciplined, neglected. One more time. Disciplined, neglected. Disciplined like a gardener. Shaping that garden that we might see the glory of God's creation. Neglected like an overgrown, dandelion-filled park that no one seems to be caring for. Disciplined like a basketball, basketball team that uses crisp passes and careful defense. Neglected like a team of showboats playing one-on-one -on -one in a team game. Disciplined like children that are cared for and given responsibility, neglected like unruly children trying to get negative attention. Hmm. What have we done with the souls that we've been given? Remember that our souls, like our house, are on loan to someone, that is to you, and one day we will get to do an accounting for what we've done with the soul. Now, Deuteronomy is going to give us three, maybe four different things. 
It's going to give us the purpose for which we've been created as God's people. And it's going to give us some words about the risk of neglect. It's going to give us the task. And it's going to give us some words about the risk of neglect. It's going to give us the task that is before us and the discipline of practicing the presence of God. So when you look at Deuteronomy, God is shaping a people. He's giving the law the second time. They're just about to enter into the promised land. They had the law back in the book of Exodus. That's where the Ten Commandments first were. Now this is the second giving of that law. And Deuteronomos literally means second law. And so they're now hearing it all over again. They were slaves in Egypt. They were there 400 years. Now they're out. God's purpose is for them to enter the land. Chapter 5, you're going to actually find the Ten Commandments again. A little longer version. And it's the way they're going to live when they go into that land. Chapter chapter 4 gives us an understanding of the purpose of the house sitting, so to speak. House. So first... You're to live in and enter and occupy the land that the Lord God is going to give. And in that place, we get to live in God's presence and enjoy him and experience him. If you happen to have grown up around the Presbyterians, you might know the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And the first question is, what is the chief end of man or the chief end of people? And the answer is to enjoy God. And to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God, enjoy him forever. That's what you were made for. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's purpose. That's the purpose of these folks entering into the promised land. But as they enter, what would it look like to experience God with us now where we are? Well, it would look like It would look like characteristics like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Those are called the fruit of living by the Spirit. We just sang, Spirit of God, descend upon our heart. We sang, melt us, mold us, fill us, use us earlier about the Spirit. When the Spirit is in your life affecting your soul, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, they just leak out. That becomes you. That's the disciplined soul. Leaking out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. When, on the other hand, we are flawed in understanding the purpose, then some some opposites come out. Self-centered, grumpy, critical, indulgent. Which list sounds most like your soul? The disciplined soul? The neglected soul. God really wants us to know him and experience him now and throughout eternity. It's really possible to know God and God's purpose is to live with us. And he intends us, secondly, to be like a demonstration garden. So that people from the outside can look at what God has done in our lives and be so drawn by it that they go, wow, I want to hang around this group of people who are patient and kind 
and joyous and loving. Oh, my goodness, let's hang out with those folks. Because that's the purpose, one nation in one land, so that all the nations round about would go, oh, I really like what they are doing. Listen to the translation of what I just read from the message, verses 5 and 6. It says, pay attention, I'm teaching you the rules and regulations that God has commanded me so that you may live by them in the land you're entering to take up ownership. Keep them, practice them. You'll become wise and understanding. And when people hear and see what's going on, they'll say, what a great nation. We've never seen anything like it. You see, God's purpose for us is that we would fill the atmosphere with the aroma of Christ. That somehow there would be coming out of a church like this and all of the churches in this country such a contagious aroma that people would go, I got to get around those people. They're remarkable. See us people. They're remarkable. See us Lewis in his screw tape letters writes that when somebody gets contagioned with the gospel, it even spills over onto the dog and the cat. That somehow it affects them. Have you thought of yourselves as a demonstration garden? So the people can go, wow, that's what an azalea is supposed to look like. That's what a rhododendron could possibly do if it's kept in the right way. But you see, all this demonstration garden comes at the risk that we might forget what we're about. The text said, oh, only take heed and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Danger is that we'll forget to be the disciplined soul and we'll be the neglected one. I don't know about any of you, probably it's not happening, but every now and then my memory is starting to slip. The other day Sarah said, have you called the babysitter? I said, oh, I completely forgot. She said, Jim, you're going to have to start writing these things down. You're starting to slip. I'll call the babysitter. And when she called the babysitter, the babysitter said, Oh, Jim already called us. <laughs> so not only had I forgotten to call, I had forgotten that I had called and forgot it. So when we forget, danger is coming. A few years ago, I happened to visit in India the Taj Mahal. There's a legend about the Taj Mahal, one of the buildings in all of the world. Because when you ask them why was this built, it was built by the Shah Jahan for his beloved wife as a museum, as a mausoleum, as a monument, as a memorial for her. If you happen to go in and say, exactly where is she buried? The guides can't point you to a place. Because the legend is that while it was under construction, which took many years to construct, the Shah would often go in, and, and as he was going in, he would very often bump his leg against a box. And he, on about the eighth time he bumped his leg against the box, he got mad at the box, and he ordered it taken immediately out and thrown into the river, which is right behind 
And the legend has it that the box contained his beloved wife. He forgot what he was forgot what he was trying to do. We still have George right below us. We haven't thrown him out. We didn't build the church for him, but we put him there after the fact. But in the Taj Mahal, it's not there. It's easy to forget who we are. It's easy to forget why we are in a church week after week. You see, it's a place where the kind of people we are purposed to be is supposed to begin and continue to happen. But it's easy to quit tending a garden, to quit growing in the demonstration garden that God has designed. John Ortberg, the writer of the book that we're kind of studying, says forgetfulness opened the door for Israel to failure. And it was so vital that the people of God not only remember their experience of God's mighty hand, but they, they pass on that memory and that experience to the children. But they forgot. They forgot. So all through Deuteronomy is the urge and the beckon to obey, to remember and obey, remember and obey. Remember is one of the most common words in the book. It's the word in Hebrew, zakar. It comes into English as Zachariah. So anybody named Zach is a living picture of remember, remember, remember. And remember and obey. Remember and obey. A cult movie from when my kids were young was called The Princess Bride. Has anybody seen The Princess Bride? Yes. As the movie begins, we see the heroine, Buttercup, going about her duties on the farm, and soon we meet a boy who works on the farm and actually goes by the name Farm Boy. When Buttercup asks Farm Boy to do something, he always replies with the, as you wish, as you wish, as you wish. And so eventually Buttercup is sitting next to a pitcher, and she asks him to pour a drink from the pitcher, which she could have done easily, and his response was, as you wish. Well, she's taken away. The whole story is about Prince Humperdinck and uh, lots of different uh, damaging things. Farm boy turns out to be Wesley, and he's on a quest to find Buttercup and be united. His soul is disciplined in getting her back because he is formed by a posture in life, as you wish. So when the Lord asks us to be self-controlled, what's our response? As you wish. When he asks us to be peaceful, what's your response? As you wish. When he asks you to be loving, what's your response? You see, that's the response of the disciplined soul. And soul. And in so doing, what Moses is telling the people is that we become so near to God, he just rubs off on us. Verse 7, what other great nation has a God so near as is the Lord our God who is with us and will respond to us whenever we call? The word is literally at hand. He's right there at hand. The Lord is no further away than your hand. At your hand. Right there. The kingdom of God has come near, the New Testament says. The Lord is at hand. And the way you experience the Lord at hand 
are five great disciplines of the soul. Prayer, which is talking to God. God's word to us. Worship, which is exactly what you're doing right now, which decenters you and focuses you on the Lord whom we bless. Fellowship, where we gather with other believers to be encouraged, because it's when we see their lives and we see their peace in the midst of turmoil that we go, oh, that's what it could look like. And service, like so many of you did last Saturday working on a Habitat for Humanity project, when you're actually doing something for someone else, it decenters your soul and you realize, oh, this is what we're made for. When you put all five together, you've got the disciplined soul. When you don't put them together, you've got that neglected soul. The disciplined soul or the neglected soul. And if we're forgetting or neglecting, then what we've got to do is have a course correction and come back to the center. So I want to close with a picture. Gordon MacDonald uses it in a book. It's a book that he borrows by a man named Frank Cuck, who wrote The Institute of Naval Proceedings. We don't often quote the Institute of Naval Proceedings in here, but let's do it today. He writes a story in the book that goes this way. Two battleships were assigned for a training squadron, and they had been at sea on maneuvers in heavy weather for a number of days. He says, I was serving on the lead battleship and was on watch on the bridge as night fell. The visibility was poor, patchy fog, so the captain remained with me on the bridge, keeping an eye on all the activities. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the, shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing of the bridge reported light bearing on the starboard side. The captain said, "Is it steady or is it moving astern?" "Steady, captain," which meant we were on a collision course with that ship. The captain then called to the signal man, "Signal that we're on a collision course. Advise you change your course 20 degrees." Back came the signal, advisable for you to change your course 20 degrees. The captain got mad. He said, send the signal that I'm a captain. Change your course 20 degrees. The answer came back from the signal. I'm a seaman, second class. You'd better change your course 20 degrees. <laughs> By that time, the captain was furious. He spat out, I'm a battleship. Change course, 20 degrees. Back came the flashing message. I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> we changed our course. I hope you get the point. Your soul was given by God to you. On loan, it's where you grow. It's how you connect with God. When it's neglected, my advice, change course. 20 degrees. Fellowship, scripture, prayer, worship, service. That builds us into the kind of people 
that have the chance to become a demonstration garden for what God can do. And it's not, it's not a word just for one. This is a word for all of us. This is the purpose of the people of God, the church. Let's pray. Lord, allow your word to sink deeply within that we might be people who yearn to be connected to you in deep and abiding ways. We want our souls to flourish, Lord. We want our souls to be free. We want our souls to go down deep and bear love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, self-control. Gracious God, do something more for those of us like me who have neglected pieces of this so that we might be nourished in the ways you want us to be nourished. We pray this in Jesus. Thank you for listening in to this Jesus. sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.